Hello and welcome to another episode of Apt Untold, where we explore some of the stories behind the people you work with. Today's guest is Warsha Prakash. In our conversation, we discuss her background as a Fijian Indian. We talk of her favorite day at Apt and what it was exactly that brought her here. Please enjoy my conversation with Warsha Prakash. My name is Warsha Prakash. I am a Contracts and Procurement Officer here at APT Associates and I'm working um, in the Contracts and Legal Department of APT. I've been here for one and a half years now and as a part of my role I provide advice and um, develop different agreement types like different templates for, for agreements in the company. So short-term advisor agreements, subcontracts and other legal instruments relevant to the company's contracts and procurement function. So tell me about your experiences at Apt so far and uh, what are your thoughts looking forward? I think, yeah, I think it's an incredibly exciting time for the company. Um, as I said, I've been here for one and a half years and in that time, so many people have come on board. It's just nice, every, nearly every week you walk into the office and you get to see a brand new face and get to know people. And I'm lucky with um, the role that I have in the company. Um, I get to interact a lot with the different um, teams within the company. So different, like the corporate teams and all of the program teams. I love that collaborative nature of the work we do and um, with the rapid expansion I think it's just a really exciting time for everyone to um, you know, provide their contributions and Definitely. yeah. So can you tell me the story, uh, like how, what, what brought you to APT, what's the story behind uh, you coming here? Sure, so this is my very first job in development. I used to work in a very different industry. Um, to take you back a little bit, I worked in a law firm called McGill Ray Solicitors in the banking and finance team there. And then after that, I joined the mining industry as a part of the Queensland mining boom. So um, I worked at Bechtel um, in the mining and metals unit there. And then um, for 12 months, I was a legal and contracts consultant at Origin Energy working on their APLNG projects. My time in the mining industry was really great. You know, I learnt so much about contracts management um, while I was there and it's a very innovative and cutting edge industry in which to work. Did, did um, you pick up or have you noticed that there are things that can be transferred into international development, some things that might not spring to mind uh, immediately? Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's an incredibly innovative area where things are constantly changing and contracts management, I think, um, is transferable across different industries. Um, it's a very fast-paced environment. Um, so I learned, you know, skills like, you know, time management and um, meeting uh, project needs with incredibly tight deadlines, um, which I, I feel I've been able to bring to, to the role um, that I have here in APT in the development sector. I'm sure that's uh, very useful considering how busy everyone seems. There's always, you know, tenders due here and... Uh, yes, it's yeah. plenty busy, especially at the moment mm -hmm. and, and with the rapid um, expansion. It's winning three massive new programs. So it's it's been, um, they were good skills, good I think, skills to, to learn. Have, yeah. I'm yeah. sure everyone here is appreciative of it as well. Thank you, I hope so, yeah. Um, everyone's really busy, so as I said, I love that collaborative nature and um, Everyone's got a, you know, time for a smile though. It, you know, being quite new myself, it's it's great to be here. And you know, even though everyone is 
working you know very hard everyone's still happy to have a, a chat and say hello and smile and, absolutely you know. like I've just returned from holidays and um, in that four-week period that I, that I was away there were so many new hires and it was nice to walk into the office in that first week back and just see so many smiling new faces people just coming up and saying hello and so I really like appreciate that and um, think it's, it's wonderful it's good for team building as well mm. relationship building but whilst I did enjoy my time working in the mining industry, there came a time where I felt um, like I needed more in a job than simply to um, make a like a profit for mm -hmm. um, a large company, which is essentially like the mining industry is extremely uh, profit driven. And I found myself then um, looking for yeah just more in a job, mm -hmm. which is why I looked um, to development. Um, so did you look specifically f um, to development, or did you chance upon? Uh, yeah. the industry or was there, did someone point you in the, in the direction? Yeah, I, I actually um, was looking for opportunities generally and came across the job at APT um, Associates, APT JTA as it was known then, and I didn't know much about the company at all. I hadn't heard of the company before, so I did a lot of research on it. And reading about the wonderful things that APT does, it made me feel like being a part of an industry that you know, had that central focus on humanitarianism and, and giving back to the community. Um, so that's why I applied for the job at APT and, and hence how I entered the development world. So what is one thing about APT that you are particularly fond of? Yeah, absolutely. I love the mission-driven focus. Um, as I was saying before, just that humanitarian focus to what we do. Yes, we are a company, we do strive to make a profit, but at the same time, somewhere down the line in the work that we all do at the company, um, we are helping to better um, people's lives and I think that's really special. Mm. And, and speaking to like different people that I've worked with in the past, you know, they just always like, say to me how lucky we are to be working in a field like that. So. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and because uh, as we were discussing uh, before we started, um, you're Fijian? Yes, yeah. I identify myself as Fijian. My cultural background is Fijian Indian and a lot of people ask me, well you look Indian but you say you're Fijian so what's that all about? Um, to explain what the term Fijian Indian means, um, many, many generations of my family have lived in Fiji. So you said over, five generations, right? Yeah, I think it would even be over five generations. So it's to the extent where I actually don't have any family that I know of that live in India. I mean, I obviously do have family, but I would really need to trace them back. Um, and so how Indians ended up in Fiji um, during colonial times, um, when Britain was colonising Fiji. Uh, labourers and farmers from India uh, were shipped to Fiji to work on the sugarcane plantations. So that's kind of um, like my ancestors mm -hmm. are those farmers. So can you talk me through what it's like being, you know, a Fijian Indian culturally? Were there, what were there, what were the differences in your day-to-day -day lives compared to perhaps you know, um, Fijian Fijians, or like, do you celebrate, uh, you know, Dipavali, or you, earlier you said that you speak um, Fijian. Um, 
Fijian Indian, so it's, yeah. it's a Hindi, Hindi actually. Hindi, you said, yes. Yeah, but the language that I speak um, is very different to the Hindi that's spoken mm -hmm. in India. It's actually a mix of different dialects uh, from the early settlers in Fiji. Um, so um, native Fijian language, um, a mix of uh, Hindi, of course, and of um, Chinese um, and sort of other island uh, dialects, like from Laos, which is a neighboring island as well. Um, Within the in the Pacific, um, so yeah, that's that's the the language um, that's spoken. Um, as a a Hindu, like I was, grew up a Hindu, um, I celebrate Diwali and other um, mm -hmm. festivals on, in the Hindu calendar. Um, so to explain what Diwali is, it's the festival of lights, um, and it was it's basically a celebration of good versus evil and um, where the god Ram came back from defeating uh, uh, Rawan, which is um, you know, a bad guy in, in mythology, Hindu mythology, um, and was welcomed with a, a path of lights um, from, you know, in India when he returned. So, um, yeah, I mean, th those are the differences. Um, there, there are also lots of similarities. So Indians living in Fiji, um, you know, we all, love food and so the, the food um, like the curries um, very much have like coconut um, mm -hmm. cream and stuff things like that in it um, yeah lots of little cultural um, yeah not always differences mm -hmm. um, yeah so you spoke of uh, before we started of the uh, the coup in was it 1987 or the series of Yes, there are a couple of coups um, in Fiji, um, military coups. Um, so it's an attempted, a coup is an attempted overthrow of a government with the assistance of armed forces. And it's happened in history, I think, four times in Fiji. Um, and in 87, it happened twice. So my family actually had a really um, personal sort of up close experience with it. My mum at the time, um, I was telling you this story earlier, but um, she's working in an office building in the city centre and heard gunshots being fired outside the building uh, for in very close proximity. And of course, the whole place was in a tizzy. Everyone was absolutely panicked and fleeing the buildings. So my mum was one of these people trying to get to the nearest bus stop um, to get home. And this sort of all happened um, right before her eyes, probably metres away from her but people dressed up as the military. No one was really sure whether they were actual military people or not, but they were firing. Was it firing. determined whether or not they were? Um, I think like it, it was very unsure. Like there were some people who were from the military and then there were other people from like the villages that had dressed up or were posing as military people. And they were firing their guns into the air, into the surrounding like shop windows and stuff, not at people, which is sort of, different I guess it was it was more to create that atmosphere of fear and terror um, and so I think that um, is why a lot of uh, people um, you know started to migrate in the mm -hmm. late 80s. So what was the the cause or what was the the reason behind the coup? Do you, do you know? Yeah there was a lot of social and political unrest that had been building up um, for quite some time between the main um, ethnic groups in Fiji, so the indigenous Fijians and the Fijian Indians and I think it, it all became just built up so much and um, especially manifested itself politically um, and the coups occurred as a result. So what percentage of the population in Fiji would you say are 
Fijian Indian? There is quite a substantial number. I'm not exactly sure of the, um, the statistics um, exactly, but I would say it's probably about um, 40%. Oh wow, yeah. that's quite substantial. Substantial, yeah. yeah, substantial Fijian Indian population. Yeah. Did you have any um, experiences of uh, you know racial tension? You know, in your because we we discussed that you've you, you moved to Australia when you were five months old, but you've been back on holidays and to see family. Yeah. And all that. So have you experienced? I mean, I guess you haven't. You felt in a way like a foreigner in both of your own the countries that you call home in some way. I mean, in some way, because I wouldn't say like a foreigner as such, but more like different, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, growing up in Australia, coming from a, a Hindu household, you know, if I rocked up to work with like henna tattoos on my hands, mm -hmm. people would be like, what is that, you know? And, and, then, and then you say you're from Fiji and like, well, yeah, I, how does this <laughs> everyone work? Everyone would be thoroughly confused. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So if I would have attended like a, a festival where, you know, the, mm -hmm. it's a ritual uh, uh, yeah. to, to tattoo your hands with them. And it's just what does it symbolize? Does it? What is the reasoning behind the? I'm not too sure exactly the symbolism of it, but it's like during Indian weddings, um, brides actually people put henna tattoos on the bride's hands, and it's like a, a beauty thing. I think it's to it's to symbolize like. Um, marriage and uh, entering a new chapter but mostly it's aesthetic it's pretty mm -hmm. and it's kind of integrated itself into the um into the culture so well, it's we'll, great it's, it's a temporary yeah tattoo. it is yeah. yeah it's kind of like a celebration kind of thing that we do mm -hmm. yeah um yeah so i think i might have cut i, cut, I might have cut you off about um as we, while we're discussing uh growing up in different cultures but being from a subculture in both yes um, yeah countries do, do so, you just talk about your experiences there yeah absolutely so i touched on like growing up in australia as um being a little bit like different but i had a very positive experience with it and then while i was growing up nearly every second set of school holidays i would actually uh, travel to fiji uh, with my family because i've got lots of relatives in fiji still um, to this day and i used to spend a lot of time with my cousins causing a ruckus and uh, playing with the village children, lots of really interesting um, games and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was, it was very positive for me because I didn't spend like my whole entire childhood growing up there. So I've got a bit of a different story to tell. Like I've got stories to tell in relation to like the fun parts of mm -hmm. growing up, um, well, spending time in Fiji as a child. Um, so like one of those stories um, is a game that we used, that the village kids taught me and it involved a car tire, uh, soapy water and two sticks. <laughs> so I have no idea what it's called, but um, it's it was a favorite pastime. So what you do is get a car tire, fill it with this soapy liquid, put two sticks in it and then like run around the yard wheeling it around. And I thought it totally um, beat like playing the so Nintendo. So you fit in the tire and there's soapy water in there to help you get in? No, you, you don't. So you get like, it's literally a car tire and in the hollow bit of the car mm -hmm. tire, you're putting in just soapy water. And so then it pulls at the bottom of the tire. It pulls yeah. at the bottom of the tire. And then you get two sticks and then you put one on in either side, like inside the hollow part of the tire. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of like wheel it 
around using the sticks and you actually run around the yard with it. And so I, so I did crazy things like that. It's like an example of a village uh -huh. um, game that- Easy to find yeah. some, some form of entertainment, don't need much. Absolutely. And it was nice to experience that, you know. Um, also spent a lot of time climbing coconut trees, uh, which is an absolute skill because there's nothing to hang on to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so to get Yeah, like, I mean, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't think I mastered it, yeah. I have to like, say. If you got up there, I think you're better than most. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up with lots of scratches and bruises and got into yeah. a lot of trouble, but it was good fun. Glad to hear it, glad to hear yeah. it. So what, what is the technique? Is oh, it's all to do with like, oh, you need a lot of upper body strength and I think children just have so much strength from, you know, yeah, I think from they've somewhere. Got they've yeah. got the, the size as well, the less weight to move around and all yeah. that perhaps. So you kind of just like hug the, um, the trunk and mm -hmm. make your way up. Just walk up. Walk up, walk, yeah. Walk up, yeah. So what is your favourite experience or memory from your time at App so far? I really like this day that the company organised. It was like International Food Day and everyone brought in a plate of food um, and people from different cultures were encouraged to bring food from their culture, from their country. And so what we, did you pick? I picked butter chicken because oh, okay. uh, I love it. <laughs> well, it uses coconut cream, right? You can use coconut cream actually, that is a variation. I think traditional butter, uh, butter chicken is made out of like cream. Okay. Um, and uh, so I brought that in and everyone en ended up bringing food, so we ended up with so much food. And I thought it was a really positive and fun day because you got to see the cultural diversity in the office and everyone loves food, glorious food. So mm, food is marvellous. Yeah, so it was just re really great to, to experience that togetherness and unity over something that everyone loves. So could you tell us about some of the things you like to do while you're not at work? I love to sing, so I've oh, been sing yeah, singing since I was, um, I think, four. Um, yeah, I love singing jazz. Now, if people are listening to this, that there might be a work karaoke night and you might be a... Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times ahead, yeah. Fun times ahead. Yeah, that's some ideas for the Christmas party, hey? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Alrighty, well, I think um, we'll wrap it up. Sure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Wonderful to chat. Well, thanks again to Warsha for a lovely conversation. Next week, we have a number of exciting interviews lined up. First, I'll be speaking with an Apt Associates veteran, Karen Harmon. I'll also have a chat with the Executive Vice President and Chief Business Officer of Apt, Jay Knott, who is paying us a visit from the US. Finally, I'll get to speak to our very own glorious leader down under, Jane Thomason. Stay tuned for more episodes of Apt Untold. Thanks again.